Welcome back. You're watching Stock Picks, and today we unpack Chevron Corporation, the Home Depot, and Uber Technologies with Barry Duma from a Tribe Investments. Barry, it's a pleasure. Good afternoon to you. Hi, everyone. Thank you very much for having me today. Wonderful, Barry. We've gone all the way to the U.S. today. Talk to us about why you've chosen these counters. Yes, yeah, so definitely the uh, oil prices are extremely topical nowadays. I mean, like we know, the uh, even the SA consumer is battling pay higher petrol prices mm-hmm. from these higher oil prices. So, yeah, my uh, stock picks are really centered around the energy prices. Mm-hmm and also seasonality uh, relating back to oil. And the uh, three stocks that I've chosen is uh, Chevron, Home Depot and Uber, believe it or not. Yes, let's uh, start off with a Chevron, I guess. You know, Chevron, of course, known as an oil giant for uh, years, but uh, also starting to dip into renewables, uh, Barry. Speak to us about uh, what you're finding interesting about this counter. Yes, so currently what we're looking at for uh, Chevron is definitely um, looking at some of the highlights from the uh, previous earnings releases, which really beat um, and defied Wall Street's expectations, um, exceeding across revenue projections and the like. Um, Although revenues did decline 28% uh, versus the second quarter of 2022, um, that's mainly predominant due to lower commodity prices. Chevron did manage a 2% increase in global oil equivalent production, which is uh, fantastic. Um, It is currently lagging its Peer, peer comparison, which is Exxon, um, and a return basis. But um, definitely, if we look at the lower net uh, debt to EBITDA ratio of 0.2, it's very much uh, lower than its European counterpart. And if we look to these higher oil prices, I mean, we saw the news yesterday um, from the OPEC plus nations that came out to see that they will extend their uh, production cuts in oil to the end of the year which is quite significant. And that they're kind of doing that to kind of try and rebalance the uh, the oil market. But ultimately, that will lead to higher oil prices like we have seen now. And higher oil prices for a company like Chevron definitely could be a nice tailwind heading into the end of the year. And I mean, obviously, if you look at uh, the world's number one investor, Mr. Warren Buffett, mm. he still has this company as as a staple within his holding. Um, so, yeah, so who, who am I to argue with the world's number one investor? Of course, an interesting thing about them also is uh, their dividend keeps going up. They pay a dividend religiously and they up it, you know. And even when we see the oil price dip, uh, Barry, they're still able to maintain uh, that dividend. Uh, but let's talk about that, you know, uh, the ability for the business to uh, continue to be so cash generative and what uh, them moving into renewables means for them. Yes, I mean, definitely as the world is changing, I mean, it is only a given that companies like these will definitely dab into the renewable space. I mean, that is just another revenue stream for them moving into the decades ahead. Uh, I mean, that obviously bodes very well for the company on the ESG statements as well. Um, but yeah, looking at obviously a dividend, it has been a very good dividend staple over the years. And I mean, that's kind of why I think uh, Mr. Buffett is definitely dabbing into into companies like these because they are really uh, a good long term hold for only not for only for income from a dividend aspect, but definitely from a share growth perspective as well over the long run. Very interesting. Uh, let's move over to uh, Uber now. Now, Uber is actually a loss-making business, has been, uh, you know, even as it's been listed, uh, Barry. But, of course, it doesn't mean that it doesn't perform well. It doesn't mean that it's not a stock worth holding. Let's talk about, uh, you know, why you've chosen this counter today. 
So, yeah, so there was quite an interesting one for me as well, and that's definitely relating back to higher oil prices. I mean, a company like Uber is definitely topical. I mean, Uber is definitely the largest uh, rideshare operator in the U.S., um, and, uh, I mean, the name really doesn't need any introduction to anyone. Um, but in saying that, I mean, it has had a stellar performance this year to date. I mean, the share price is up close to 90%. I mean, that's nine zero percent. That is m magnificent. Um, if we look at the learnings, uh, uh, earnings releases, then you can obviously see that the companies um, definitely returned to profitability since its inception, which is already a, a big boost for, for the share. I mean, gross bookings increased 16%. Revenue was up 14%. Um, and we also saw a lot of strong growth in trips, monthly active uh, platform consumer uh, were up 12% year over year. And most importantly, the earnings for drivers and couriers also um, grew quite substantially. I mean, if we look at the couriers and a record of, I think, $15 billion during the quarter, which was very much a, a focal point over the previous uh, quarters um, as well. So, and as time goes on, you know, Uber has really taken a lot of market share from its competitors like Lyft, which is currently its major competitor in the US. I mean, if you look at the share price, um, it really went in the opposite directions as Uber increased their share value. Lyft just went the total opposite. Um, and the other thing why we definitely chose Uber is definitely on a seasonality basis. So if you look at uh, seasonal trends in September specifically, then then September is definitely a solid month for Uber. Mm. I mean, uh, there's a large pickup in rides, schools are starting, guys are going back to university. Um, so there's a lot of interaction between uh, these kinds of uh, uptick in, in the metrics over September, which is definitely uh, attracting a lot of uh, eyes as well. So, of course, Barry, when we speak about Uber here in South Africa, we speak about Uber, uh, you know, in the way that we know it as well as uh, Uber Eats. But globally, Uber does some uh, other cool stuff. We have uh, Uber uh, Car Share, where you can, you know, share a car literally with a person. Uh, you know, you can have autonomous taxis. We have Uber Freight. It is actually a, a quite a big a mobility business. And I guess from a South African perspective, sometimes this can be hidden from you. Yeah, no, I mean, most definitely. I mean, we should definitely not forget about those those add-ons in, in the business. I mean, they contribute quite significantly. I mean, if you look at the overall U.S. business, I mean, Uber Eats um, gets closer and closer to the gap profitability. So, I mean, those are definitely add-ons that is driving this company back and more into profitability as time goes on. Um, although we'll definitely have to look at what the uh, oil prices will do for Uber moving forward. Um, so, that's definitely a focal point that we're focusing on in September. Um, but yeah, let's see. We're just a wait and see. Actually, just staying with Uber a little bit longer, Barry, I must ask you this. Of course, the company does a lot of research, which makes sense, you know, trying to uh, make the product a better. But the whole point of Uber is that they don't own the asset. Uh, so it isn't a capital-intensive business. I'm just wondering then, uh, from this perspective and considering that it is basically a tech company uh, that basically lives on the Internet, why has it taken so long uh, to break even? What sort of costs uh, were they, uh, you know, taking in there that have uh, just caused... Was it, was it a matter of volumes, maybe, uh, having to come online? 
Yeah, I think for a business starting out, they did definitely did not see the momentum that they were expecting from the uh, IPO date. Um, but definitely, I think things have progressed over the years. Um, that's not withstanding every new business has mm. its own challenges. I mean, there were a lot of um, challenges regarding these new assets and facets of the business that they will be buying and adding on to. Um, and those things take time to obviously gener uh, generate a profit over time. So I think definitely volumes did play a game, but also Uber at some point in time obviously did also have issues with the drivers and payments of those drivers and so on, like we all know. But seemingly that is also being uh, starting to being resolved, um, and things are actually looking up for the share and the company for for once um, since the uh, IPO date, which is great. And then before uh, we let this one go, South Africa and autonomous taxis, Barry, do you see it? Do you see uh, that ever being a thing here at home, or do you think some things, uh, you know, would possibly be a bit off in the United States and the likes? You know, I think the first question that we should ask is will we have enough energy to power those autonomous vehicles yeah. first of all uh, i think that might be the biggest hurdle but you never know you know things mm -hmm. can change very quickly in an instant so who's to say maybe in the next 50 years we'll have a utopia of energy and the autonomous uh, driving and ai will just be a, a norm so fingers crossed for that one but we still have a huge energy hurdle to to get across absolutely let's touch on home depot and now of course, uh, you know, uh, they also uh, saw a large home improvement uh, boom in uh, the COVID-19 era. But of course, that has waned a little bit, uh, similar to some stocks here at home. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that's definitely contributed to, we know, a high interest rate environment. That's weighing on heavily on the consumer. Um, I mean, like we're seeing in, in Home Depot now as well, uh, if we look at the financials from the latest earnings releases, I mean, but I mean, still, Home Depot is massive, guys. I mean, this company commands 15% of approximately $900 billion of North American home improvement market. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's massive. So it's also been a definitely a dividend staple for investors looking to, to bag on those dividends. Uh, the company has definitely increased dividend payouts for the last 15, no, 14 consecutive years. So, I mean, even though they are currently struggling, the, the, the financials definitely weren't impressive. They did revise their outlook for the rest of 2023 um, lower. So, yeah, it is definitely feeling the pinch. But, uh, I mean, still a very stable company. Company outlook is still stable. So, I think even though these near-term headwinds that it is, are facing currently, um, hopefully that will be plated out as soon as uh, the Fed starts curbing or cutting those interest rates in the uh, first half, hopefully, of 2024. That's another one that uh, Warren Buffett backs, actually, uh, you know, Barry. So, I mean, you mentioned it when we spoke about Chevron earlier, but when Warren Buffett backs a stock, what does that mean for a retail investor? Uh, you know, uh, what is the confidence of Warren Buffett? Uh, what does it, it weigh? What does it weigh? Yeah. So I think definitely for the new retail investor, I think anything that's connected to Warren Buffett is a positive for them. And that's definitely off the back of a solid track record. I mean, we we, we, we can't definitely not fault uh, the Oracle of Omar on his uh, stock selections. Um, but definitely the trick is here is long-term investing. And that is he has shown that um, over the last couple of decades. 
um, definitely sentiment around whatever he chooses, and he does select companies that offer value over the long run, which is kind of what the retail investor should be looking at. Um, and that's kind of what everyone is looking at as well. We want to buy companies for value and for the long run. Another one uh, with a Home Depot here. Is it uh, a growth stock? Is it uh, a value stock here? Uh, you know, uh, is it a combination? Because like you're saying, because Warren Buffett, uh, Buffett is a long-term uh, investor here, it could actually be a little bit of both. Yeah, no, definitely. I think definitely is a bit of both. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one of the metrics that we kind of always look at uh, for these home improvement retailers and these scandals of shares is definitely what is the long-term sustainability of it. Mm-hmm. What are the metrics around it that give us decent enough tailwinds uh, to, for us to definitely look at these uh, as long-term holds? And one of these metrics is definitely new home sales mm-hmm. um, in the U.S., so if we look at new home sales, I mean, new home sales have been ticking up uh, and I think they reached a, a 17-month high recently. And this will definitely boast well and be a good tailwind for companies like a Home Depot, a Home Depot um, for, for the long run. So there's a lot of metrics around these kinds of companies and these businesses, but definitely a combination of both will, will just do magic over the long run. Now, staying with our retail investor, Barry, uh, you know, let's rate these stocks one to three in the order that you would buy them. So, in saying this and looking at seasonality as well, I'll definitely be cautiously optimistic mm-hmm. um, heading into September. So, if I had to rank them, I would go for Uber as my number one pick. I would go for Home Depot as my second and Chevron as my third. Now, you mentioned September, and this segues perfectly uh, into our educational segment. Barry, what is the September effect? Yes, so the September effect is actually a type of seasonality anomaly that happens. Um, And September usually has a reputation for being kind of the worst month for investing and returns on the S&P 500 Mm -hmm. since I think the 1940s, um, on average, obviously. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this um, uh, behavior that happens is the uh, seasonal behavior is called the uh, September effect. Mm -hmm. Now, no one really knows why this kind of happens. You know, some people have attributed this to um, you know, holiday goers coming back or returning from holiday and spending less. Um, it might be market psychology. We really don't know and can't pinpoint why this happens. But ultimately, the investor should not be fooled because usually looking at these seasonal trends and especially over September, September really has an up month uh, at the start of the month and then really starts to trickle down lower and gets a bit shaky around mid-month and then it actually closes lower for the month traditionally. Now, things that we can obviously look at that can back these um, initial factors for driving up share prices at the start of September is the VIX. So, and that's definitely in the case of volatility over the next 30 days. And it has been really low at the end of August. So that might signal and really go along with this resurgence of share price and optimism to the first part of the month. And then obviously we'll see by the end of the month, which I can only guess would be the Fed interest rate decision that might uh, bring, bring a pause to the party as well. And uh, bringing some of this back to the oil market as well, seasonality and seasonal factors, usually it's really a down month 
for for oil over September. So fingers crossed for the uh, local consumer uh, on that one and globally as well. But yeah, those are the things that we kind of look over September and the uh, September effect. Well, thank you for that one, uh, Barry. Uh, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure catching up with you today. No, we'll catch up again sometime soon. That was Barry Duma from Tribe Investments with your Wednesday edition of Stock Picks. Mm -hmm.